Shema Yisrael Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad Baruch Shem Kehud Malkuto Le'olam Va'ed Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. Blessed be the name of the glory of His kingdom forever and ever. Amen. Good morning, Mishpacha. Welcome to the Daily Audio Torah. I'm Laura Densmore, your host, and I'm so glad you're joining in with me today. Today is Wednesday, August 16th. Torah was meant to be lived out in community and in the context of relationships. A very effective way to study the Bible is in a small group doing a midrash or discussion. This helps you to go deeper into the Word as you take time to reflect on it, make connections from one scripture to another, and apply the scriptures to your personal walk. We have added a new feature on the Daily Audio Torah website. If you are involved in a small group Bible study or would like to start one, we can help you. We've added discussion questions for you to use when your group gathers. We will post discussion questions for every Saturday and Sunday reading, and they will be posted on the website a week in advance so you have time to read and prepare ahead of time. We have also posted guidelines for leaders and facilitators to help you grow your small group in a healthy way. Just go to the new pick on the menu, Discussion Questions, and you will find everything you need there to nurture and grow your small group. Have fun learning and growing in God's Word together in your small group. Now let's continue our journey through the entire Bible in one year. This week we are reading from the New Living Translation for the Hebrew Scriptures and for the Brit Hadashah. Today we continue the Torah portion, Shaftim, and it means Judges. Deuteronomy 19, 1-10 When the Lord your God destroys the nations whose land He is giving you, you will take over their land and settle in their towns and homes. Then you must set apart three cities of refuge in the land the Lord your God is giving you. Survey the territory and divide the land the Lord your God is giving you into three districts, with one of these cities in each district. Then anyone who has killed someone can flee to one of the cities of refuge for safety. If someone kills another person unintentionally without previous hostility, The slayer may flee to any of these cities to live in safety. For example, suppose someone goes into the forest with a neighbor to cut wood, and suppose one of them swings an axe to chop down a tree, and the axe head flies off the handle, killing the other person. In such cases, the slayer may flee to one of the cities of refuge to live in safety. If the distance to the nearest city of refuge is too far, an enraged avenger might be able to chase down and kill the person who caused the death. Then the slayer would die unfairly since he had never shown hostility toward the person who died. That is why I am commanding you to set aside three cities of refuge. 
And if the Lord your God enlarges your territory, as he swore to your ancestors, and gives you all the land he promised them, you must designate three additional cities of refuge. He will give you this land if you are careful to obey all the commands I have given you, if you always love the Lord your God and walk in his ways. That way you will prevent the death of innocent people in the land the Lord your God is giving you as your special possession. You will not be held responsible for the death of innocent people. Nehemiah 11, 1 to 12, 26. The leaders of the people were living in Jerusalem, the holy city. A tenth of the people from the other towns of Judah and Benjamin were chosen by sacred lots to live there too, while the rest stayed where they were. And the people were commended, everyone who volunteered to resettle in Jerusalem. Here is a list of the names of the provincial officials who came to live in Jerusalem. Most of the people, priests, Levites, temple servants, and descendants of Solomon's servants, continued to live in their own homes in the various towns of Judah. But some of the people from Judah and Benjamin resettled in Jerusalem. From the tribe of Judah, Athiah, son of Uzziah, son of Zechariah, son of Amariah, son of Shephatiah, son of Mahalalel, of the family of Perez, also Messiah, son of Baruch, son of Kolhoza, son of Haziah, son of Adiah, son of Joyrib, son of Zechariah, of the family of Shelah. There were 468 descendants of Perez who lived in Jerusalem, all outstanding men, from the tribe of Benjamin, Salu, son of Meshulam, son of Joed, son of Padiah, son of Koliah, son of Messiah, son of Ithiel, son of Jeshiah. After him were Gabai and Salal, and a total of 928 relatives. Their chief officer was Joel, son of Zikri, who was assisted by Judah, son of Hasanua, second in command over the city. From the priests, Jediah, son of Joyrib, Jachin, and Sariah, son of Hilkiah, son of Meshulam, son of Zadok, son of Marioth, son of Ahatub, the supervisor of the temple of God. Also, 822 of their associates, who worked at the temple. Also, Adiah, son of Jeroham, son of Peleliah, son of Amzi, son of Zechariah, son of Pashur, son of Malkijah, along with 242 of his associates, who were heads of their families. Also, Amishai, son of Azarel, son of Azai, son of Meshalamoth, son of Immer, and 128 of his outstanding associates. Their chief officer was Zabdiel, son of Hagadolim. From the Levites, Shemaiah, son of Hashub, son of Azikram, son of Hashabiah, son of Buni. Also, Shabbathai and Josabad, who were in charge of the work outside the temple of God. Also, Madaniah, son of Micah, son of Zabdi, a descendant of Asaph, who led in thanksgiving and prayer. Also, Bakbukiah, who was Madaniah's assistant, and Abda, son of Shamua, son of Galal, son of Jedathan. In all, there were 284 Levites in the holy city. From the gatekeepers, 
Akub, Talman, and 172 of their associates, who guarded the gates. The other priests, Levites, and the rest of the Israelites lived wherever their family inheritance was located, in any of the towns of Judah. The temple servants, however, whose leaders were Ziha and Gishpa, all lived on the hill of Ophel. The chief officer of the Levites in Jerusalem was Uzai, son of Bani, son of Hashabiah, son of Madaniah, son of Micah, a descendant of Asaph, whose family served as singers at God's temple. Their daily responsibilities were carried out according to the terms of a royal command. Pethahiah, son of Meshazabel, a descendant of Zerah, son of Judah, was the royal advisor in all matters of public administration. As for the surrounding villages with their open fields, some of the people of Judah lived in Kiriath Arba with its settlements, Debon with its settlements, and Jechabzeel with its villages. They also lived in Jeshua, Moladah, Beth Pellet, Hazar Shual, Beersheba with its settlements, Ziglag and Mekanah with its settlements. They also lived in Enrimen, Zorah, Jarmuth, Zanoah, and Adullam with their surrounding villages. They also lived in Lachish with its nearby fields and Azekah with its surrounding villages. So the people of Judah were living all the way from Beersheba in the south to the valley of Hinnom. Some of the people of Benjamin lived at Geba, Michmash, Aijah, and Bethel with its settlements. They also lived in Anathoth, Nob, Ananiah, Hazor, Ramah, Gitaim, Hadid, Zeboim, Nebalot, Lod, Ano, and the Valley of Craftsmen. Some of the Levites who lived in Judah were sent to live with the tribe of Benjamin. Here is the list of the priests and Levites who returned with Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, and Jeshua, the high priest. Sariah, Jeremiah, Ezra, Amariah, Maluk, Hattush, Shechaniah, Harim, Meramoth, Edo, Genethon, Abijah, Miniman, Moadiah, Bilgah, Shemaiah, Jorib, Jediah, Salu, Amok, Hilkiah, and Jediah. These were the leaders of the priests and their associates in the days of Jeshua. The Levites who returned with them were Jeshua, Benuai, Cadmiel, Sherebiah, Judah, and Madaniah, who, with his associates, was in charge of the songs of thanksgiving. Their associates, Bakbukiah and Uni, stood opposite them during the service. Jeshua the high priest was the father of Joachim. Joachim was the father of Elishib. Elishib was the father of Joida. Joida was the father of Johanan. Johanan was the father of Jadua. Now when Joachim was high priest, the family leaders of the priests were as follows. Moriah was the leader of the family of Sariah. Hananiah was the leader of the family of Jeremiah. Meshulam was the leader of the family of Ezra. Jehohanan was leader of the family of Amariah. Jonathan was leader of the family of Maluk. Joseph was leader of the family of Shechaniah. Adna was leader of the family of Harim. Helkah was leader of the family of Merimoth. Zechariah was leader of the family of Edo. Meshulam was leader of the family of Ginnathon. Zikri was leader of the family of Abijah. There was also a leader of the family of Miniman. 
Piltai was leader of the family of Moadiah. Shamua was leader of the family of Bilgah. Jehonathan was leader of the family of Shemaiah. Madani was leader of the family of Joirub. Uzai was leader of the family of Jediah. Kalai was leader of the family of Salu. Eber was leader of the family of Amok. Hashabiah was leader of the family of Hilkiah. Nethanel was leader of the family of Jediah. A record of the Levite families was kept during the years when Elishib, Joida, Johanan, and Jaduah served as high priest. Another record of the priests was kept during the reign of Darius the Persian. A record of the heads of the Levite families was kept in the book of history down to the days of Johanan, the grandson of Eliashib. These were the family leaders of the Levites, Hashabiah, Sherebiah, Jeshua, Binui, Cadmiel, and other associates who stood opposite them during the ceremonies of praise and thanksgiving, one section responding to the other, as commanded by David, the man of God. This included Madaniah, Bak, Bukiah, and Obadiah. Meshulam, Talman, and Akub were the gatekeepers in charge of the storerooms at the gates. These all served in the days of Joachim, son of Jeshua, son of Jehozadak, and in the days of Nehemiah, the governor, and of Ezra, the priest and scribe. 1 Corinthians 10, 14-33 So, my dear friends, flee from the worship of idols. You are reasonable people. Decide for yourselves if what I am saying is true. When we bless the cup at the Lord's table, aren't we sharing in the blood of Christ? And when we break the bread, aren't we sharing in the body of Christ? And though we are many, We all eat from one loaf of bread, showing that we are one body. Think about the people of Israel. Weren't they united by eating the sacrifices at the altar? What am am I trying to say? Am I saying that food offered to idols has some significance, or that the idols are real gods? No, not at all. I am saying that these sacrifices are offered to demons, not to God, and I don't want you to participate with demons. You cannot drink from the cup of the Lord and from the cup of demons, too. You cannot eat at the Lord's table and at the table of demons, too. What? Do we dare to rouse the Lord's jealousy? Do we think, do you think that we are stronger than he is? You say, I am allowed to do anything, but not everything is good for you. You say, I am allowed to do anything, but not everything is beneficial. Don't be concerned for your own good, but for the good of others. So you may eat any meat that is sold in the marketplace without raising questions of conscience, for the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. If someone who isn't a believer asks you home for dinner, accept the invitation if you want to. Eat whatever is offered to you without raising questions of conscience. But suppose someone tells you, this meat was offered to an idol. Don't eat it. 
out of consideration for the conscience of the one who told you. It might not be a matter of conscience for you, but it is for the other person. For why should my freedom be limited by what someone else thinks? If I can thank God for the food and enjoy it, why should I be condemned for eating it? So whether you eat or drink, or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Don't give offense to Jews or Gentiles or the Church of God. I, too, try to please everyone in everything I do. I don't just do what is best for me. I do what is best for others so that many may be saved. Psalm 34, 11-22 Come, my children, and listen to me, and I will teach you to fear the Lord. Does anyone want to live a life that is long and prosperous? Then keep your tongue from speaking evil and your lips from telling lies. Turn away from evil and do good. Search for peace and work to maintain it. The eyes of the Lord watch over those who do right. His ears are open to their cries for help. But the Lord turns his face against those who do evil. He will erase their memory from the earth. The Lord hears his people when they call to him for help. He rescues them from all their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. The righteous person faces many troubles, but the Lord comes to the rescue each time. For the Lord protects the bones of the righteous, not one of them is broken. Calamity will surely overtake the wicked, and those who hate the righteous will be punished. But the Lord will redeem those who serve him. No one who takes refuge in him will be condemned. Proverbs 21, 14-16 A secret gift calms anger. A bribe under the table pacifies fury. Justice is a joy to the godly, but it terrifies evildoers. The person who strays from common sense will end up in the company of the dead. I want to speak to you today from our reading from 1 Corinthians chapter 10, and I absolutely love the heart and the spirit that Paul is communicating here in this passage. He was truly a true representative and ambassador for Yeshua, for Jesus Christ. So what can happen, both in the mainstream Sunday Christian world and in the Hebrew roots Messianic world, is we get stuck on certain little doctrines and then we get divisive over those doctrines. Whether we should worship on Saturday or Sunday, how to say the name, Which calendar do you follow? All these kind of things can be extremely divisive. And division is of the enemy. What food you can or cannot eat. And this is kind of the topic that Paul uses as his example regarding, you know, how to handle those kind of situations. So if you go into somebody's home and they invite you in and they serve you something that you wouldn't normally eat, 
then, you know, whatever is put before you, he says, you have the freedom to eat. But if you go into somebody's home and out of their conscience, they say, oh, you can't eat those oysters or that bacon, then don't eat it. Don't cause them to stumble. So he concludes all of this in verses 31 and 32. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Don't give offense to Jews or Gentiles or the church of God. That is a massively huge principle that we really need to get better at applying. Sadly, I have encountered pretty severe anti-Semitism, both in the Sunday church world and also in the Hebrew Roots Messianic world. And there's all these crazy railings and accusations, oh, they're not really Jews, and they have all these things against the Jewish people. And it's grievous, very, very grievous. Um, And then on the other side of the fence, I've met some ultra-Orthodox Jews from a distance, watching from afar, that have huge problems with Christian Zionists who come to Israel and are there as tourists, and and then they uh, mock them and harass them when they try to go to a Christian concert. I've seen that. And then there's people who have an ambassador heart that want to build bridges. And so what Paul is saying is here is don't give offense to Jews or Gentiles or the church of God. In other words, I can have fellowship with other Hebrew rooter tutors. I can have fellowship and friendship with my Sunday Christians because I was in the Sunday church world for many years and learned so much. And there's a lot of wonderful, loving people in in that world. And I can also build friendship and bridges and fellowship with Orthodox Jews. I've met some wonderful Orthodox Jews who are so committed to the God of Israel, to God the Father, and to the Torah, and who are living sacrificially out of obedience to the Torah, in sinking their roots and in settling the land, um, out of obedience to the covenant that was given to Abraham and to his seed. So to be a true ambassador, we have to be able and willing to work with the Evangelical Sisters of Mary. They're nuns, but they're not Catholic nuns. Um, And to work with Baptists and Calvary Chapel people and Assembly of God people and Hebrew Roots people. We, We need an Orthodox Jewish people. There are a remnant of believers in all of those places, even in the Catholic world, there's a remnant of believers there as well. People who love the Lord with all their heart. And in all of those places, guess what? We have blind spots. So I might be a Baptist. And I have a, a nice grounding of some truth. But there's a part of the doctrine in the Baptist church world where there's a blind spot. And same thing if you're a Calvary Chapel person or an Assembly of God or a Foursquare person. You've got a nice grounding of some truth, but there's some blind spots there. And then, um, you know, if you're a Hebrew Roots person, 
that you've got a nice grounding of truth regarding the feasts and the Sabbath, but there's also blind spots. The most important thing that we can be doing if we are a true ambassador of Christ is to show his love, his kindness. He's humble. He's a servant. And he's very loving. And yet we get clickish. Oh, the only people who really have the, the fullness of truth is my church and my denomination. We get very clickish. And that is not the heart of God. Yeshua, as an ambassador, he, he loves the Jewish people. Were there some bad ones at his time that were jealous of him and angry and wanted him dead? Yeah. Were there other Jews who followed him faithfully? Loved him passionately? Yes. Yeshua himself was Jewish. Paul was Jewish. Many of the writers of the Old Testament, the Tanakh, were Jewish. Ezekiel, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Amos, they were Jewish. And the Jews are Yeshua's family, and he loves them. And even though some of the Jewish people have rejected him or are blind and don't see and understand yet that he is the Messiah, he never stops loving them. Similarly, I shared yesterday about how a couple of family members of mine have pretty much canceled me. I'm canceled. It's the cancel culture, the woke cancel culture. Very grievous. Do I stop loving them? Of course not. I'm even more motivated to pray for them with a loving and a forgiving heart. I never stop loving them in the same way. Yeshua, does he stop loving the Jewish people? Of course not. He still loves them deeply and dearly. They are his family. So I just want to encourage each and every one of you to try to take on this mantle that Paul wears to be a true ambassador. He says, don't give offense to Jews or Gentiles or the church of God. I too try to please everyone in everything I do. I don't just do what is best for me. I do what is best for others so that many may be saved. So he's a servant and he has a heart to represent Yeshua well, with love, with cords of love, reaching people of all stripes, all flavors, all colors, all denominations, all cultures. So we're not to discard others and cancel others because they don't believe the way we do or because they're of the wrong denomination or the wrong side of the aisle. We are to love people and pray for them and really represent Yeshua well. And to represent him well, we show honor and respect and we show love to all that we encounter. Have a blessed day and we'll see you tomorrow. Shalom. Yevrekah Adonai
Vish Mareka Yayah Adonai Anavilaka Vikuneka Yisa Adonai Anav Ileka Vayaseh Leka Leka Aaronic Blessing from Numbers chapter 6, 24-26 Adonai bless you and keep you. Adonai make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. Adonai lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. <laughs>